Dirty D in the house. Good morning, everybody. This is Adam, and we got Dustin on the line. I hope that everybody had a great week. Uh, all 31 of our listeners, let's hear it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thank y'all for listening. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, how's your morning been going, Dustin? Man, it's been a pretty busy morning, but uh, I get up a little bit earlier than I need to most days anyways. But, yeah, just just one of them days, just, you know. Pretty busy, bro. <laughs> How about you? Well, I've been sleeping in a lot here lately. Uh, not so much today, but, you know, my sleeping in is really till about, I don't know, seven or maybe sometimes a little bit before or a little bit after. But I hear I you. I just don't have to set an alarm anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I'm the same way. Like, sleeping in for me is about seven, maybe 7.30 if I'm lucky. But that's just, that's, I guess it comes with age, you know, like you get so used to waking up, your body kind of gets programmed to wake up at, you know, certain times. Yeah. So, um, I know that you're kind of a finance guru. Um, oh no, I'm not. Don't, don't, (laughs) don't tell me that. Oh, well (laughs) you were wanting to write a book. So everybody knows that once you write a book, you're a subject matter expert and you know, everything on that subject. For sure not. That's simply not the case, and especially in finances, because it's so fluent. Yeah, fluid. It, it just keeps moving, and so like, what I wanted to write a book on, what what necessarily finance, but like just finance efficiency, being good with what you already have, because everybody thinks like, oh, you know, to have money, I need to make more money. But the fact is, people suck with money. And so my whole premise on my book was going to be how to be efficient and maximize the money you already have. Because if you suck with the money you make already, you're probably going to suck if you have more. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, it, it ain't going to matter if you have more money. You're still going to spend it poorly. And that's that was the whole idea behind my book. Not necessarily like I'm a guru or anything, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so... I'm actually uh, trying to do some day trading. I don't know if it's really going to work out for me, but uh, that's kind of what I'm uh, maybe looking at doing next. It's something to, you know, try to keep busy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of risk and reward in that, you know, and there's other things you got to look into, such as, you know, capital gains and, and taxes because if you buy and sell too fast then the tax rate's different on on things you know really and, yeah most definitely and so you got to look you got to do your research on a lot of that type of stuff man and you know what i mean it's for me i'm, I'm a long haul type of investor i, I don't like short term really investing because yeah. you know it, it, it's too high risk short term investments i like the long haul just, all right, I'm going to buy it and let's see what it looks like in a year or two, you know, and, and I do research on the stuff I invest, like, like here in a couple months ago when, when the stock market kind of tanked a little bit, like I was screaming from the rooftops, everybody get involved with Tesla, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. they dropped from 900 down to like 346 per share. Yeah. And then within a couple weeks, it was already back up to like 750, 800, like, and that's why, you know, like. That's the only type of short-term stuff I'll do, and heck, I'm even holding on to it now. You know, I, I did. I'm not going to just get rid of it because I made money. Well, and uh, um, actually, uh, since you mentioned Tesla, and uh, that kind of made me think of Elon Musk. 
that kind of reminds me of uh, our topic for today, our, our subject matter on uh, near-death experiences. I know it uh, doesn't have uh, Elon Musk, you know, directly related to it, but he's definitely a name that's going to come up here uh, a little bit later in our discussion, um, at least temporarily, uh, flyby. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's just because he's associated with Joe Rogan podcast. He just did a new one, 1470 on Rogan. Very yep. good, very good podcast. I finally finished it, and I, I enjoyed it, man. Dude's, that dude's on a different planet, bro. <laughs> no pun intended. That's actually kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I almost, yeah. Uh, I wonder how many times he's been to outer space. Never. <laughs> Supposedly. I mean, I don't think he's ever rode in any of his rocket ships that he, he sends off. Uh, I mean, on the books and publicly spoken about, they're just barely finishing up trials to do human flight with NASA. I, I think about a month ago, they, they did their last test to confirm that they were safe enough to do human flights with with uh, astronauts and so i think they're they're gonna here in the next couple months be sending a couple astro- astronauts up to the international space station via spacex falcon 9 rocket yeah well and uh i wonder if you know in outer space uh you know if if something goes wrong i mean obviously there's been some failed missions before with nasa um and and they've lost human life during some of these missions. Uh, I guess I wonder uh, how many of those people in, in the very rapid uh, deaths that they received, uh, if they had any near death experiences. <laughs> well, you, I mean, what in the, the, the seconds leading up to their death, you mean? Right. Man, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I imagine when like, the, I believe it was the challenger, uh, shuttle that went and it killed everybody in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I imagine that was pretty quick. I mean, they were doing 20,000 yeah. miles an hour, and I mean, you, right. you know what I mean? Like, there's no, I bet, I bet they knew that it was gonna yep. happen before it happened. I, you know, I'm, I imagine there's beepers and alarms going off in that thing, right? It's just one of them things, like, like they used to say, uh, back in the trailer park, hold on to your nutsack, boys, we're going for a ride, you know what I mean? Like, well, and everything everything is happens so quickly up there because I mean it's just the I guess the margins are so narrow like you can't have hardly any mistakes otherwise I mean it's kind of like working with uh, NGL for us you know um, we uh, work in a very volatile uh, we work with a very volatile product so you know it's very dangerous and and the margins are. Uh, something that we got to be very careful of, I guess. And it's the same with outer space. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I mean, what we do is definitely volatile, but I imagine they're like, it's multiplied a hundredfold, you know, like you're, you're on a rocket. If something's going wrong at, you know, however fast they're doing, you know, I mean, they're, dude, they're scooting, you know what I mean? And so the, the margins of error, like it's so yeah. tight. It, it, if anything goes wrong, everything's wrong at, at 20,000 miles an hour, however fast they go. It's, yep. it's Jesus, man. It, it's nuts. You know, Yeah, before, before you're just another explosion in space. Yeah. But I, I imagine, I imagine some, I mean, you know, all them, all the people that get on them rockets understand and know like, Hey man, I might not make it. You know what I mean? And so I imagine that they're all at peace in some, some state, you know, which, you know, I, I've, flown a lot in the last couple of years 
and like i mean just getting on like a southwest airplane like there's people i sit next to that are having severe flight anxiety and i imagine some of these astronauts have it but Mm -hmm. you, you know what i mean but they're a different breed of human if you will like these are all like top one percenters you, you know they're all peak performance people you know what i'm saying so who knows man they might just understand like fuck this is this is a risk we got to take and you know that's the life they live I, I i don't know man yeah it's nuts but i imagine maybe for a split second you know maybe they have that moment where their childhood passes through their eyes and their whole life you know i don't know i've 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 never had a a moment like that like you know uh I've had some close calls and been messed up pretty bad, but I've never seen like, you know, my past or a loved one or like heaven. I've never had any, anything like that happen. What about yourself? Um, well, I mean, obviously I was in Afghanistan for 12 months, so there was definitely a few experiences over there that, that we can talk about that, um, uh, that were just kind of crazy, but I mean, some of the, so just to kind of introduce our, uh, topic for today. I mean, we uh, we reviewed Surreal Talk, um, Colts, and what? How did it go? Uh, give me one second, because it's it's a little so near death experiences. Surreal Talk, Colts, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Right, Colts, conspiracies, and the paranormal uh, on near death experiences, and uh, and. So I actually took show notes. Uh, I, I went and put uh, minutes for for different topics or for different things that they talked about during the podcast that I thought was interesting that I wanted to make sure to hit today. Look at you, you overachiever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, well let's let's tag base on some of them, man. Sounds good. So um, I thought that their disclaimer at the beginning was was kind of a safety net for them um, because this is definitely a very difficult uh, topic that they, I mean, it's basically anything associated with like brain function is, is something that uh, is debated a lot, um, even in like medical circles. So, so basically they start out with their disclaimer that says we reserve the right to be wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Preach. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I mean, that basically means that, uh, you know, they they can't fail even if they go wrong because they just got that disclaimer and they're like, well, we can be wrong if we want to. Well, yeah, and, and I think it goes back to what you said. Like, there's you you know, there's no way to really be right or wrong in in this, you know, because everybody's got a deferring opinion on afterlife and stuff like that. Right. Well, I'm sure uh, you know. I'm sure that as Americans, we definitely feel the right to be wrong. You know, uh, it's not like we have to be right all the time. Uh, otherwise, people are going to, you know, take away our birthday or something. Bro, I don't understand who you're hanging out with because a majority of the people I know, well, a majority of the assholes I know, like they they are right, even if they are wrong. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it, yeah. it's nuts, bro. But yeah, uh I, I I agree. I'm I'm right there. I'm one of them people that'll tell you real quick, man. I I may not be right, but this is how I feel, and this is what I think. You know? Yeah. So um, yeah, I had tried to find a little bit of information about the hosts uh, a little bit, but um, I got distracted with some other things. So, but it it sounded like there was three guys talking, basically. Yes, sir. 
And uh, they started out with talking about the COVID-19, how it's an overreaction, um, and how they were kind of sad that there's not going to be a Green River in St. Louis uh, for St. Patty's Day. Right. And that'll tell you the time frame. So that puts them back in early March. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think of the COVID-19 stuff anyway? You think that this uh, quarantine has has helped? Well, it's one of them things. There's no real way of knowing, right? You know, uh, there's no no way of measuring how many people didn't get sick because of the quarantine. Right. But I, I believe it it's done good. You know, it has to, if people are sitting at the house and not mingling, then definitely it stops the spread of this, this, this virus, the sickness. But for me, I feel like the whole sickness was kind of overblown. Now, don't get me wrong. I know people have died and you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to discredit that by any type of way, but I just, you know I mean? People like, bro, honestly, 500,000 people die a year from just smoking. You, you know yeah. what I mean? So I, I feel like the numbers are just piped up. And another right. thing, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how true or how right this is. I heard the average age of death for somebody with coronavirus is actually higher than the average age of death, period, in America. Really? Yeah. I, so I know that the average lifespan of, of women is actually a year or two longer than than it is for men and i think it's uh 85 for women so it'd be like 83 for men i think is the average yeah well i mean that's what happens when you don't do a whole lot <laughs> just kidding ladies that's funny. <laughs> but yeah man uh I, how about yourself man because for me i feel like coronavirus this this whole thing has been kind of overblown now i feel it does affect people and i feel like those people are the ones that should have been you know, like quarantined, if you will, like, Hey, stay at home. If you're in this age group or if you have these types of underlining issues, you know? Absolutely. Well, and you know, yesterday I was thinking about this too, and you just mentioned one of them, you know, you mentioned people dying from uh, cigarettes or cancer, you know, and yesterday I was thinking about obesity because America has an epidemic that's obesity and oh, yeah. yet they're, they're not worried about that epidemic but then all of a sudden something like coronavirus comes along and and you know everybody just loses their mind you know well why aren't people eating healthier and exercising because if they're truly concerned about the epidemics that claims mass uh numbers of of people's lives then then you'd think they'd be concerned about uh you know they'd be they'd be concerned about all areas of their health, not just the ones that are um, abnormal. I agree. Uh, it, we're definitely consumed by, by people that are out of shape, man. And like we're, we're the, our country's filled up with it and yeah. it, it is a bad thing. But you, I mean, you look, you look around at like schools, like my kids, if I'm not mistaken, they have like a 30 minute, like, outside time at school you know what i mean like recess like okay we get to go out and like bro how you know what i mean like how are you gonna feed them and then let them go play and you know like these kids don't get a whole lot of outside time right and, and then and then at home like most of them have ipads and computers so they don't want to go outside and 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 this is me getting to another aspect of coronavirus what they're finding out now is people with a vitamin d deficiency are more prone to sickness from corona because, yeah. you know, it has a lot to do with your immune system. Like your body just, you know what I mean? You, you, your immune cells have like a receptor for vitamin D. 
And, like, it, it's real technical, man. I, I'm not even going to try to get on that part of it. Yeah. But, you know, you get a lot of vitamin D from, in fact, playing outside and getting sunlight. Well, and, and I do I do think that the uh, government has used this as an opportunity to kind of um, overreach or, or grab power, if you will. Oh, yeah. And take take some freedoms from people that constitutionally they're just not uh, permitted to do. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, did, uh, speaking of Elon Musk, right? Did you see him flex on California? Be- I, I saw something in the news about that, about how the uh, the governor was uh, not not happy that they were starting work. Well, he told them they couldn't. He said, "You guys can't open up your manufacturing plant." And right. uh, he was like, "You have no right to tell me that." And so he flexed on him and opened anyways, and was like, "All right, well, let's see what you can do about it, right?" And it, yep. then California turns around and gives him the okay to open up after he was like already opened up. And then he threatened to leave. He's like, if y'all want to keep pursuing this, I'll take my manufacturing plant to Texas. You know what I mean? And like, he's yeah. the only aut- automobile manufacturer left in California, you know, and the type of right. revenue that brings in because they pay state and federal. Yeah. Load of money, bro. And so, right. yeah, he flexed on me. And that, that's I'm a, I'm a fan of Elon Musk, man. That's good. I mean, I, I think that people should be allowed to work and make money and provide for their families. And, you know, that's that's it's sad that I guess the country's so divided because apparently there's people out there that, you know, they have their means of living paid for whether they work or not. And so they think that everybody has that same ability and it's it's just not true i mean you know there's a limit to how much unemployment you get and so when it's gone then what happens like luckily i'm not there yet so um what's going to happen when that uh, that limit that that i have seen set in in my profile it is gone Uh, is there like other uh you know financial support that i can go to or Am I just not going to be able to pay my bills? Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's the scary part for a lot of people is there is a limit, right? And you know, I mean, uh, last time I looked at the numbers, there was something like thirty-two million Americans on unemployment right now. That's almost ten percent of our our population. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's just not feasible to run on unemployment for that many people for any length of time. Like you think about the money, you know what I mean? And, and then, like, the, yep. the perspective coming from the people that are actually on it, you know you're on a timer. You know, you know what I mean? And so that, that affects your life. That stresses you out, which is bad for your immune system, by the way. It, you know, it does a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, it, it just it messes yeah. your whole life up, man, because you, you, there's 32 million people looking for jobs right now. The chances of you finding one are, are, are pretty slim, to be honest, you know? And, yeah. So one- I'm sorry. No, you go, man. Sorry. You go. I was just going to mumble on a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, I have been uh, looking at a lot of different places, and, and I've been getting the same answer from pretty much everyone that I, I submit a, a job application to, and it's we're under a hiring 100%. freeze. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, NGL or oil and gas. You know, I'm talking about I've been looking at <laughs> – I, I've been looking at banks uh, with the potential of becoming a banker. Um, I've been looking at uh, cable technician. Um, 
it was funny. There was a, a Mediacom in Iowa uh, offered to hire me on for $11 an hour. And um, they said that uh, after three months, I would get to take my work truck home with me. Yeah. And, and the worst part about a job like that is you probably make more on unemployment. You know what I mean? Right. And so then you're faced with that moral dilemma. Like, do I go to work and make less than I'm getting already? You know what I mean? And, and as right. a man myself, like I pride myself on always being able to work. And I would find an issue yep. knowing that I'm able to work, but choosing to stay, you know, on unemployment because it's better for my family. And and that would mess right. with me morally as a man. I, I, I But, you know, you got to do what's best for your family, you know, and so... Well, and the thing is, is that position that they were offering me was in Iowa. So if you think about it, you know, I just bought a house here in New Mexico. So um, if I had to move to Iowa, um, making, you know, a third of what I was making before and and like you said, it's not nearly as much as you'd be getting on unemployment. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. The condition of the job market right now. Yeah, man. I, me, buddy to buddy, friend to friend, I would tell you right now, I, that's in my opinion, I wouldn't make the move because although oil is one of the first things to go, it'll, it'll come back. You know, like I, I'm a, I'm a boomtown yeah. kid my whole life, you know, it comes back, bro. And yeah. with the experience you got and the know-how, man, I, I you'll be able to find something fairly quick. The the issue you have right now is covering, you know, covering your 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 nut until it comes back. And yeah, I, I man, you're capable, bro. You're you're smart. You got the unemployment help. I shoot, man. I, I you're one of the guys I don't really worry about. You know what I mean? Because I have other buddies that have lost. <laughs> I mean, lost their jobs and like they're in a bind, man. And it's, it's right. like, and, and I'm, I'm not the guy to say, I told you so, but I, you know, in the last couple of years, it's like, oh man, I bought this $300,000 house. I got me a $60,000 truck. And I'm like, bro, you do know this don't last, you know, you got to prepare for them bad times. Cause they come, we're boomtown kids. We understand yeah. you got a, a couple years worth of good times. Then you might have a couple years of bad. You got to be ready for it, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, is I want to use this as an opportunity to maybe get a change of scenery. I mean, Carlsbad sounds like a beautiful no, place, but, you know, I've, I've been so <laughs> active and I, I've seen like, you know, by the time you summit Guadalupe Peak three times and I've hiked uh, the Carlsbad Caverns twice now. And, and I mean, we didn't use the elevator. We, we hiked all the way down to the big room. And we hiked all the way back up. It was two and a half miles uh, down and two and a half miles back up. That sounds like a good workout, though, man. Like that's that's pretty cool. That's a, that's an entertaining workout. I, that's something I need to go up there and do with you, man. Yeah, I mean for sure, man. And actually, uh, I think that they were opening up national parks here a week or two ago. Yeah, the the, the issue with it now is so like one of my favorite places to go. I'm not going to say its name, but there's a river a couple hours from Odessa. A lot of people went over there a couple weeks ago, like 1,500 people, which this place isn't set up for that that type of influx of people. And, bro, they demolished the place. And the city flat out said, we're shutting down. Like, they're not letting nobody go over there because everybody went, you know, all these house 
trap people went over there and had a good time, which is cool, but then they didn't pick up after themselves. They made a mess and they got my favorite place to go shut down just by being a bunch of deadbeats, bro. And golly. And I feel like that's yeah. gonna a lot of that's gonna be happening. Yep. But um but yeah, uh so it, I guess um I'm definitely ready for a change of venue, a change of scenery. Um, so I've been looking at in places like Georgia and Iowa and, you know, of course the, the money has to be right. It's a, it's a precision formula that you got to figure out. I mean, you got to know your uh, housing expenses and how much you're going to be making and how much the move is going to take. And then what you're going to do with, uh, you know, the assets that you have, you know, still back here in Carlton. Man, it's, it's a lot of number crunching, but, I mean, you got to do what's best for you. I think I think the house you have over in Carlsbad, you'd be able to do something like maybe rent it out until times come back up and sell then if you wanted, you know, or, you yeah. know, keep a, keep some passive income coming in. If, if it's making you a little bit of money while it's down, then whenever things come back, you can punch the price up a little bit and be making more. And all the while, you're still making the payments. You're, you're getting that equity in the property. So when you do decide to sell, you make more. That's exactly you know what, what I mean? was thinking. And, well, that's the way I look at like the properties I, I'm trying to buy and I buy. Like I, I look at like I say, I'm a long term investor, you know. So I'll buy a property and, mm-hmm. and I'll pay on it, make it to where it pays for itself. And sure, I made on some of them. I don't even yeah. make money. It's just, it's just like I'm gonna let it pay for itself for the next couple of years, and then boom, it's paid for. Now I can sell it and you know move on to the next one. And and that's that's. Sometimes that's the best move, man. It, it's an investment rather than a, a, a bill. But Absolutely. And we got a little bit sidetracked from the COVID-19 with, with all this job stuff. But, um, you know, there was a, I, I have an old aunt. Um, I don't mean an aunt who's like old in age. I mean, she probably is uh, significantly older than me because she's an aunt. But um, she used to be married to uh, one of no my shit. uncles. And... <laughs> yeah, we got we got a. Uh, I don't know how I still had her as a friend on Facebook, but uh, basically she was saying, "Oh, um, you have the right to come, you know, within six feet of me, uh, like not wearing a mask, um, but I also have the right to to press charges on you if you uh, sneeze on me or something like that." Or, or, or I think she said something like, uh, you have the right to not wear a mask, but I reserve the right to to press charges on you if you come closer than six feet to me. Or well, you like know, what? Uh, one one in my opinion, now I might be wrong. I'm no law, man. I feel like to be able to press charges, you have to prove intent, you know, like they were intentionally right. trying to do it because, you know what I mean? Like, right. bro. I, I, I'm, I have bad allergies. I sneeze probably a hundred times a day now, especially with what's going on right now. I, I try to do my best to get away from people. Like if I know I'm about to sneeze, you know what I mean? I do my daggone best, but like sometimes I sneeze and don't even realize because I do it so frequently. And mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things, you know, some people just accidentally sneeze. You, you can't be, if you're that worried about it, stay your ass at home, you know? Right. And long story short, she and I aren't friends on Facebook anymore. You know, I'd be I'd be friends if I, you know, saw her at the store or something, you know, but but I mean, even the fact that she's not still an aunt of mine, 
you know, I mean, uh, maybe, you know, back when I accepted her friend request, you know, she was still married to my uncle. So maybe when they got divorced, I should have unfriended nah, her, you know? Man. Nah. But, uh, but yeah, we got into a little debate about, um, you know, whether or not the government's, you know, pulling some sort of power grab, which obviously I think that the government's out of line here. I think that, um, you know, uh, I mean, I think that the, the mass hysteria that's been uh, kind of cooked up by the media is is just disproportionate to to the actual threat. And and I think that this has been something that, that what, what does the government say they they don't like to use a uh, or they don't like to let a good crisis go to waste. Well, I, I agree with that because. Once they retain this type of power over you, the power to tell you go home and don't leave until I tell you, do you think they just give that type mm-hmm. of stuff back when everything's over? No, they got to keep um, they got to keep flexing that muscle to be able to pull it next time, and, and that's right. that's an issue what, I see because like you're seeing all kinds of stuff happening to where it's just like, what are we doing, man? We're you know I understand for the good of all we need to be at home, but you can't threaten to throw me in jail. Because I got to get out and go do something. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man, I got, I got, like, a lot of these people, like, hey, shut down your business or we're going to, you know, you're in trouble. And it's like, not only do I have people that rely on me to feed them, but the people that work for me, they have kids. You know, like, you're forcing people into being criminals. Yep. Well, and not to mention, there's a, there's a commercial. I listen to Alexa a lot. And, um, and so, there's a commercial where it says, uh, stay home. Uh, don't, don't infect, uh, humanity or something. And I'm like, well, time out because if I stay home, first of all, uh, Danita's here, you know? And, um, and so I don't, uh, I don't avoid her cause I like being affectionate. You know, I like to kind of touch her and kiss her. So we get kind of close, yeah, you right. know? Uh, and, um, not to mention, you know, any family, any house that has, you know, kids running around. I mean, even if you stay home, that doesn't mean that you're staying away from, from humanity. And not to mention, you have to go to the store. Like you, you just said that, you know, you shouldn't be labeled a criminal because you have to go run some errands. Yes, sir. Right. It's not practical to have to stay. home. Well, it's, it's, it's the most impractical thing there is. You always need something. You know what I mean? They're like we don't live yeah. in supermarkets, bro. You, you, you know, like, and and the supermarket of all places is the worst thing, the worst place to go. You know, it, it, it's yeah. it's such a a, a double edged sword. Like, so I can I can I can I'm free to go to Walmart, but and where everybody else is having to go to shop, you're forcing me to shop at the one place everybody else has to shop, right? But yet I can't go right. somewhere and get a haircut. You know, it's just like it don't make sense by limiting where everybody yeah. goes. You're forcing all the traffic to these these certain spots, which is which is exponentially growing the 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 chances of me getting sick there because everybody's now having to go there. Right. Well, and, you know, I'm just thinking about this, uh, you know, big cities that are, you know, overcrowded. Um maybe they should start thinking instead of how to grow their city and attract new people, maybe they should, um, 
you know, try to get the people that they have there to, to move away to, you know, less, uh, less, um, densely populated. Yeah, I mean, areas. that might be a good thing, but then it just, yeah, everybody goes somewhere else. And then eventually you have the same problem in more places. I think, you know, they, they just need to, in my opinion, find a way. I mean, it, it's, it's impossible, man. Like the, the feet's so huge. Like, I mean, you're going to have sickness, especially in places like New York city, where I, I don't know their population, but if you got 20 million people, yeah, bro. People are riding subways, buses, taxis. They're touching doorknobs. You're, you know what I mean? Them are going to be the places that are hit the hardest. Yeah. And so and so they didn't see some sort of, you know, pandemic coming, knowing that they're one of the biggest cities in the world. And they, they thought, oh, well, nothing bad could ever happen by having a lot of people in one spot. Well, I, I think one of, you know, not to get off of that, but. I think one of the bigger issues we're facing now, because back in 1918, when you had the Spanish flu going around, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the second wave was much worse than the first wave, right? And they did similar things back then where like, hey, isolate, quarantine, stay home, nobody getting groups, you know what I mean? And they yeah. thought it was the right thing to do. But then lo and behold, when they opened back up, everybody got out and the bug was still there and then everybody got hit harder. And I think a cause of that was because whenever you're not around things and people, your immune system gets a little weaker, right? Because it's not working as hard, you know, you don't have all these antibodies in your system because they say on an average, any person walking around has at least like 10 different antibodies in their, in their system fighting 10 different things. You know what I mean? Like your, your, your immune system's like anything. If you don't use it, you lose it. And I feel like that's kind of what's going to happen if, and when they open it up, like they're going to, they're going to, sell the hell out of it on news and man it's like you need to let people get out to get that herd immunity where 60 percent or more of the population can get it and beat it you know what i mean yep well and uh, i forget where it was it was like uh birmingham or something that started with with b they uh did some tests of some of their local uh, just randomly selected like 200 people and it turns out a third of those people had actually had the coronavirus and didn't even realize it and and beat it like developed yeah, the antibodies or whatever. There's this, I think it was Alabama too where they did a prison up there and like 98% of the prisoners there was like 300 of them had coronavirus. Oh man, they need quarantined. Well, the thing yeah, well <laughs> the the thing is prisoners when they found out somebody had had it it's disgusting. They would pass a fucking cup of spit around and they would all try to get it because they heard that prisoners were getting sent home if they had the virus really yeah so these cons they were like hey let's all get it you know and then it turns out like it was only affecting a a low percentage of the guys that were getting it so like out of 300 like 17 of them actually got sick but the rest of them were asymptomatic yeah and so you know i mean like hey y'all are all sick but technically you're not you know it's in your system and that's it and uh, here's another thing i have a a question about because I, i you know with uh I, I love U, UFC fighting, right? Mm-hmm. I love watching it. I love the whole I was about thing. to say I love you too, buddy, but no, I'm just playing. Yeah, no. No, I, no, I don't love you. I, no, <laughs> I love you, dude. <laughs> but no, I love the UFC, bro. And uh, so USADA, the United States anti-doping, you know, like they, they test the fighters for drug usage, right? Yep. You know, to make sure they're not using steroids to be a better fighter than what they should be. And their testing has gotten so good that, like, they're finding – 
remnants of old drugs that fighters had used years ago in their system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that might be a similar thing of what's happening right now. The testing's getting so good that they can see things that don't matter, but they're going to blow it out of proportion because they're not used to being able to see things that they can see now. You know what I mean? Yep. And here, hold on. And out of this whole, like I'm getting off Corona right now, but it's on the line of Corona. I'm sorry to kind of take over here, but I am so fucking frustrated with the media right now, man. Like I'm, I'm so confused. I don't know who to watch, what to watch or where to get the truth Yeah. because everybody has a certain direction they lean there you know what i mean it's it's all bullshit dude like who do you who do you watch or listen to to get the truth right. anymore well and uh i mean obviously everybody has a an agenda you know um well that's the worst thing that's the worst thing like i think you i think there should be a non-profit or news organization because you know what I mean? Like, that's the deal. Like, oh, well, uh, this this agency gets their funding from this group. This this news company gets, you know, these are businesses. These aren't, they're not there for any truth at all. They're there to make yeah. money. And and so they're going to figure out who's watching and try to give that people what they want to mm-hmm. hear. And, I, man, I want a non-bullshit news agency, a, an agency that's like, I don't care if you like it or love it or hate it. This is what's going on in the plant on the on the earth. You know what I mean? Like this is what's going on in China. If we can get it, this is what's going on everywhere. And and you know, no no leaning like no leaning news is what they need to call yeah. it, bro. Well, you know what's funny? There's a there's a um, political party called the Libertarians. I mean, I know we've talked about them before, but um, even yeah, but that that kind of leans well, to the right within Libertarian. <laughs> the within the Libertarian Party, you have left leaners and you have right leaners and. It just goes to show you that even a party that's supposed to be middle of the road is still going to be divided. Like you have like every single person. It's just unavoidable. You know, uh, there, there's no way to avoid, um, I guess, having having. Con- Everybody has a preference. Right. I get I get what you're saying there, man. Uh, but. Bro, we have gotten way off the subject of near-death yes, experience. I, I was just—I was definitely <laughs> noticing that. I'm going to thank uh, the surreal talk guys for that because they're the ones that started out with coronavirus, but it did give us uh, some good stuff to talk about. Now, uh, give me one of them Afghanistan stories, bro. One of the ones like I, I know uh, you'd said that you didn't have like no no like afterlife or you know that type right. of experience. But like, give me, give me one of them stories where like you could have lost your life or, you know, like, okay. So I guess, uh, the most common one that I really tell people is our first, um, our first clip. Uh, I mean, I should say our first mission that we went out on in, in theater, which is, uh, in deployment, uh, in, in a hostile country like Afghanistan, uh, we were doing a resupply to a small fob called Tillman and, uh, and they needed, you know, food and fuel and um, water and um, ammo, uh, just stuff like that. Uh, their mail is included. Um, so, so basically, we're we're taking all this stuff, um, and we have we have a convoy, which is just a bunch of military trucks, and and not just one type of truck either. I mean, uh, I was driving an MATV, um, and we had uh, we had all sorts of vehicles in this convoy. And um, it took us four days to drive 22 miles. And on this mission, 
we lost three trucks and we had two fatalities and six injuries. And, um, so, um, the, 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 we hit two IEDs and, and we hit the first IED on the first day. And then we hit the second IED on the last day. Uh, now there's two different types of, of IEDs. Now there, there might be more than just two, but there's two main groups that I'm really familiar with. And, uh, an IED is a improvised explosive device. Um, yes, sir. now the first kind is a, a pressure plate. And what that means is that basically there's, um, there's this plate that if you drive over it, it connects the circuit, uh, by pushing these two plates together. And once that circuit's connected, it detonates the device. Um, right. so, so the circuit is open as long as, um, the plates aren't touching, but if somebody were to drive over it then that's, that's when it, uh, completes the circuit and blows up. And, and one of the reasons why they might choose to use a pressure plate is because they don't want to be around when it goes off. And so, you know, they'll, they'll set this, uh, you know, they'll set this IED up hoping that we'll come along with our convoy and one of our trucks will drive over it and it'll complete the circuit and blow that truck up and they won't be anywhere around. Right. Um, and actually that's the, that's the first, uh, kind of explosive that we hit, um, on the first day and it claimed the lives of, of two, um, of our soldiers. They were in a, a wrecker. Um, they were part of our, our route clearance team and, uh, it, um, it killed them. Uh, they were, I, I remember walking around the mountain to resupply some of our trucks with fuel. Uh, you know, I was doing a lot of work, um, in Afghanistan with fuel, with truck driving and, and, uh, even with the, the unit ministry team. But, uh, while I was up there, uh, on that mountain and we're, we're halted because this, this explosive device decimated that wrecker and a wrecker is huge. Uh, they're gigantic. They're, a wrecker is what we use to recover our military vehicles. And from like, if anything happens to a vehicle, a wrecker comes in and, and basically, um, uh, you know, they can, you know, they can, they can hook up to a blown up vehicle and, and basically haul it out of there. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so the thing is, is the, the two occupants of the vehicle, the way that ruck, uh, the way a wrecker is structured, uh, the two occupants of the vehicle are right above the two front tires. And so when they hit that pressure plate and it just completely destroyed the entire front half of that vehicle, um, front cab and all, it was just decimated. We were, we were out looking for body parts that night and, and, and it was, it was crazy. I mean, um, that and and you know you're stuck out in Afghanistan and it's dark and and it's it's not an advanced civilization they don't have roads I mean you're you're driving in wadis uh, river riverbeds uh, over mountains right and, and you know that there's threats of of you know explosions um so that 
Now, uh, I got a question about the one uh, the IED you you fellas ran into. How far away from it were you when it? Went I was off? about. I was probably about fifteen trucks behind that one, but but here's the crazy thing about the second one we hit. The second one, I I told you we hit two IEDs, but we lost three trucks. Um, so right. the first IED we hit claimed one truck. So uh, the second IED we hit claimed two trucks. Um, now, um, the that brings us to what the second IED was. The second IED was a command wire. And what that means is that there's some sort of connection uh, that can be accessed remotely or even through some sort of wire, like a line. Um, so, like, basically, whoever wanted that, that device to detonate was watching for us. And, and he got to choose exactly when to detonate that device. And, and so uh, the two trucks that were behind me were the two trucks that got hit. And it took out the back end of one truck and the front end of another truck. And um, actually, there was three occupants in each one. And of those six people, uh, three of them got returned to Garrison, and three of them got returned to theater about two weeks later. Um, the three that were returned to Garrison, uh, I, I don't know if they still have to use uh, canes and such. Um, I know they were, uh, for a long time, uh, they couldn't walk right. They, they were using canes and such because uh, the explosion. Um, yeah, they really and I mean, sure. even if you look at the uh, EMF of, of something like an explo uh, of an explosive, you know, that, that takes out two trucks. I mean, if you're the occupant of one of those trucks, you're probably going to be pretty rattled. Yeah, I mean, the the pressure wave. I, I used to watch some shows on the Discovery Channel where they would test bombs and stuff, and they'd, they'd slow it down to, like, you know, like high-speed cameras, and you could see the pressure wave of, like, a, like a, just a grenade go off, you know, which a grenade will tear yeah. you up, you know. But like something like an IED, man, the pressure wave alone can kill you. You could be in a vehicle that ain't even, that isn't even hit by the, the the bomb itself, and that pressure wave like give you a concussion, yep. and you know what I mean. Just it destroys you, man. It, it, but my near death experience there is that you know I had just drove I had just drove over where that bomb was, and at any point in time, you know that that device could have been detonated. Imagine if he would have, instead of trying to take out two trucks, imagine if he would have just tried taking out one truck. Yeah, no, man. Yeah. So after, after you know, it went off and you realized how close you were to, you know, it could have been you. I mean, can you explain how you felt? Like, did you have that, like, oh, my God, like, were you more concerned with the guys? But I mean, obviously, you're concerned with the guys that were hit behind you, you know, but like, later on reflecting it like did you have that moment of like just where you're just thankful to be around still that that you know what i mean like oh god thank you well you know? i guess for me it's it's just kind of funny i i went into afghanistan knowing that there was the threat of death um but i was comfortable with that because of my faith in jesus you know i know that when i die i know where i'm going and so that gives me a lot of comfort and you know maybe there's some people out there that don't have that comfort because they don't know jesus and so I could see how when you think that this is the only life that you get, 
and and this is your one chance to live uh, i can see why they would be so adamant about guarding that and uh, and to those people i say you should never go to afghanistan you know if you if you think that this is the one life you get to live and and that there's no life after death then you know what uh eat your heart out i mean i get that i i get that but still knowing where you're going afterwards doesn't mean like you, yeah. you know what i mean like <laughs> Still, I feel like I like man. I I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I feel if and when I die, I right. know where I'm going. However, however, I still feel like I'd have had that that, that yeah. moment. You know, just like yeah. Woo! Well, and a lot of people do. You know, um, it, it takes a an emotional trauma on people. You know, I remember before we went to Afghanistan, uh, a couple of the guys in my unit they were giving me this book on IEDs, and they said, "Hey, Levins." this book is going to keep you alive over there. And, you know, I was always carrying my Bible around with me back then. I said, no, this book is going to keep me alive over there. And and so it's just funny because, you know, um, there's just different types of people uh, in the world, you know, and, and I guess some people are affected um, more heavily than others, but uh, you know, I'm grateful that there was people over there with us that had been there, you know, two or three other times before. You know, and and so as Americans, we should be grateful that we have had soldiers, uh, men and women who stand up and say, I'll serve. And and they're over there putting their lives in danger so that people back here in America can. Yeah, basically. No, man, shoot, I I appreciate it. I, I definitely appreciate your service and everybody, you know. And I've known you for going on two years now, man, and I've never heard this story about the IED, man. And it's, golly, dude, that's that's yeah. intense, man. I'm glad you're still around for sure. Uh, it's, you know, if I hadn't of, if I hadn't survived Afghanistan, I never would have got to go to seminary, and I never would have got to, you know, come work at DCP. Uh, there's a lot of things like I would have never worked at Home Depot. I would have never worked at Chase Bank. I never would have got my bachelor's degree. I never would have worked at DCP for two years. So, yeah, man, yeah, it's 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 nuts. It's nuts. I've had a few close calls myself with like you know I, I've worked on drilling rigs quite a bit, and man, I, I I've had a few few of them moments where it's like, yep, that could have been it, you know. And uh, I'll go into a story on one. Uh, we were actually, I wasn't even at, on the drilling rig on location at all. We were getting ready mm-hmm. to go on a job. And we, uh, at the time, we were loading up a catwalk machine, which is it's just a machine that goes on the catwalk at the drilling rig or, you know, uh, a pulling unit. It helps lay down the, the, the tubing or the drill pipe, mm-hmm. whichever they're doing. Takes the, the pipe out of the hole and puts it on the ground. But uh, this thing, this is back before they had... Uh, the newer ones that they have so this thing was big it's crude it's heavy it's like 60 foot long made out of big steel so i mean this thing is very very right. heavy you know what i mean and so we're loading it up on an 18 wheeler and there's uh some half inch wire line that you're using to winch it up on there and so the first lift on it's pretty hard because it's a, a vertical lift coming from the okay. winch on the winch truck and so it's picking the the front end of this of this the catwalk machine up and it's got a crest over the you know on the most most of your 18 wheelers on the bed they got that roller there's like a big piece of pipe on the end with some bearings that helps your load right. roll over it you know what i mean 
And so it had to get around that. And once you got over it, it's pretty easy. And so we were right there at the edge of it. And so you got to remember there's about a 40 foot chunk of wire line right now being tugged on to get the catwalk okay. machine up. And there's a guy, there's a guy on the end of the truck by the winch operating the winch. And here I am on the other side and there's another guy on the other side. So we're on opposite sides of this uh, piece of equipment watching mm-hmm. it sucked on the truck. And that I, you know, I call it the voice in my head. Some people call it God. I, I had that, that thought like, Hey, you need to get back, man. Cause if that wire snaps, you're about to lose right. your head. You know what I mean? That, uh, that, that piece of equipment weighs, you know, 50,000 pounds. And so, like, I'm sitting there, and it goes through my head, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to listen to that. And so I, I take a few steps back, and I tell my boy Pat on the other side, hey, bro, take a few steps back, because if this, if this thing goes, if that line breaks or whatever, if this thing falls yeah. over, you know, like, it, it's, it's death. And I kid you not, man, I no longer got that out of my mouth, and that wire line snapped oh, and popped. And if you know anything about wireline, and it popped at the winch, right. you know what I mean. And so when the when the equipment fell, it fell mm-hmm. about four foot. It it whiplashed right. that wireline, and if you know anything about wireline, when it breaks, it frays out. You know what I mean? It, it it's yep. real nasty on the end. And so it whiplashed, and I mean, right where I was standing, man, it would have it would have it would have tore me up. I don't know if it would have killed me, but it would have it would definitely I'd have had stitches and went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it flung that piece of wire all the way to the opposite mm-hmm. side of the machine, wrapped around the operator's cab, broke out all the windows. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, quicker oh, than you could have did anything. And, uh, and, and my boy Pat over there, he, he was like, bro, like it, that was a psychic moment right there. And I said, I don't know. That voice in my head said, get back. And, and I, I, bro, I kid you not. Like I, I, I had that moment of like, just like, that could have been it, man. Like, that you know what I mean? Like I, I, I had an in, adrenaline rush, yeah. like a whoo, you know what I mean? Like just well, let me ask God, you, let me ask you, know you this: what, I mean? uh, what all would let's say, I guess let's say that would have claimed your life that day. What all would you have missed out on uh, going forward? Well, uh, I mean, life as I know it now. You know what I mean? Because back then I was. Man, I probably wasn't even with my wife right. then. You know what I mean. So I, I would have never truly experienced yeah. love, of you know, of you know, from anybody or, beside the family member. Like you know, a spouse love. I, I'd have never had anything like that. I'd have never experienced. I'd have never experienced right. how to love, or you know, just I definitely my yeah. kids. You know, I mean, it, I, my life would have ended short. I've been twenty. Yeah. I, you know what I mean. And so, yeah, you'd it, have been another just, oil field statistic. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I know now wouldn't right. know me now, you know, like, you, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't really hang out with a lot of people that I used right. to. So that's crazy, um, man. Uh, honestly, um, that's, that's pretty scary. I mean, uh, snapping wire line, like that is, uh, and those things, you know, you don't know where they're going to go. You know, yeah. And the thing is, you know, people have this false sense of uh, like ability about themselves. They feel like, oh well, if it goes, I'll do this yeah. or this or this. Like it really puts it in perspective how how soft I, I for me it put it put it in perspective for me because I I mean I had to I took a few steps back, told Pat, and boom, it popped. And it like I mean it was instant as soon as that thing popped. Like I mean there was no 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 hint that it was about to go other than like, Hey man, we're in a vulnerable spot. Let's get back. Yeah. You know? 
And so as soon as that wire popped, like you didn't hear it until and it sounded like a 12 gauge going off. And it was almost instantaneous. Like it popped and it was already wrapped around that, that uh, operator's cab on it. And all the windows were Well, let's hope that Pat sent you like a thank you card and a bottle of scotch or something, you know? Ah, he was a good dude, man. He, I mean, he is a good guy. I don't, I don't talk to him anymore, hardly at all. I, actually, I hadn't talked to him since I actually quit working over there. But yeah, he's a good guy, and it ain't even about that, you know. It's just, it, you know, you have them thoughts, and and that's something I tell my kids. You know, you got to listen to that voice in your head, yeah. you know. And it's not like I'm a psychopath or something, you know. Just that voice of intuition yeah. where you're like, "Oh shit, man, I need to be somewhere else." Because if not, I might get you killed. You just had this you feeling know? in your gut, this gut instinct. I I had it a five second window from the time I had that 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 thought. I told Pat as I was stepping back, and it went, bro. Yeah. Like stuff you see in a movie. You know, I tell people this, and sometimes they don't believe. It. Like I don't care, man. It happened. I was, yeah. you know, it, it was wild and. I've had a few little situations like that. Just well, um, got- so uh, we can hear another one of yours here in a second. Um, I can tell you one that was a, a little bit maybe closer of a call, like directly <clears throat> for me in Afghanistan, uh, having just driven over that uh, that uh, IED. That's a little bit less, I guess, direct. Um, I was out working on a fuel point at one fob in, uh, in Afghanistan called, uh, Munoz. And it was really small fob. In fact, um, what they would do is they would rotate different, um, uh, groups of soldiers through. Uh, so, um, a squad is about seven soldiers. And so one squad would leave and another squad would come in. Um, and they're always leaving on foot. So, so basically, I was flown out here to this uh, FOB, and I was working on their fuel point, and I was taking inventory, and I was mocking up some, some um, you know, schematics on, on how to hook up my, my filter and my lines and my bladder. And um, anyway, all of a sudden, I hear this uh, tink, tink, tink. You know, and I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, like it sounded like the, you know, when a blacksmith is hammering and um, come to find out it was actually small arms fire and, and it's, and it's incoming It was incoming small arms fire, which is why it, which is why it sounded like that. And, and, um, and so I got down and, you know, uh, moved quickly to, you know, we have this, these outer perimeter, uh, kind of dirt walls called hesco barriers and um and our infantry guys were running around like crazy they 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 came they they sprinted like directly to the wall and started returning fire and uh, we ended up shooting this guy with a 762 which is a pretty big round um from one of our squad automatic weapons and um and so then luckily the guy actually didn't get killed uh, got him in the leg, uh, could have easily, you know, killed him. And so we drove a truck out and littered him up. And this kid was no more than 12 years old. Oh man. And, uh, and, uh, basically he'd been paid to, to come and attack the Americans. And so, you know, kids over in Afghanistan, they, um, they're not really, uh, you know, they don't really have intrinsic worth or value as, as 
you know, image bearers of almighty God or anything like that. The only worth and value that, that kids have over there is what they provide to their families. So like, you know, they have to work and get money and all that. So he, he gave the money to his family and then came to die. And the really crazy thing about all that is that, you know, he was laughing the entire time we were littering him up and putting him on the truck. And, and he had just been shot in the leg with a seven, six, two, and he's laughing. And so the reason why is because he was doling his senses before he came to attack us with opiates and, um, cause he knew he was going to die. And if you knew you were going to die, you'd probably want to, you know, dole your senses a little bit with something. I don't know. He sounds like uh, one of the trailer park rascals I used to run around. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, just kidding, man. But yeah, he. Uh, I, I, that must be a Texas thing, or maybe Odessa, or something. I could picture it. You know, <laughs> bro. I, I tell you what. Uh, not to not to cut your story off. Uh, I grew up in a trailer park, mm-hmm. right? And the group. The, the pack of people I ran around with, man, we were, we were like the yeah. goonies with drug-addicted parents. Now, my mom was never addicted to anything, and my dad was just an alcoholic. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But, like, I, it, it was fun, man. I, just some wild kids, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, and, um, and so I'm sitting here thinking, man, imagine if that 12-year-old kid's aim had been better. Would I be here today? Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I should be grateful that, um, you know, that uh, that I'm still here. So, I'm grateful you're still here. I man. appreciate. You got this average Joe's podcast. Yeah, going. absolutely. <laughs> let's hear. Let's Andrew's hear one of your other ones. All right. Well, I, I have one where I actually got injured, and and it comes back to a point of intuition. So. I was young. I was I was thirteen, maybe mm-hmm. fourteen, and uh, this is this happened July third. Hell, it might have been. It, so it was probably two thousand three, mm-hmm. July third. It might have been two thousand four. I'm not. No, it was two thousand three. And uh, so what what had happened was me and my my buddy Michael Burris, who's passed away now. God rest his soul. Uh, we the that uh, that evening, we were out actually at my wife's house. Now she's my wife now, but at the time she was Michael's girlfriend. Yeah, you know, I I grew up with the the bunch of friends I ran around with. You know what I mean? Like from kindergarten all the way up. So my 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 group was always yeah. real tight. So anyways, uh, my wife had actually just got uh released from the hospital. She was uh in a pretty bad mm-hmm. car wreck, and uh. And so she was fucked up, man. She uh, had punctured lungs, broke jaw. She'd lost some teeth. Like, she was just destroyed. Her she, uh, her face, she had a bunch of stitches. You know what I mean? She was, it was mm-hmm. a bad wreck. And so we went over there. Me and Michael went over there to hang out with one of her friends and just try to bring back some normalcy to her life. And we had a real good time over there, you know. So we get to walking home. And as we're walking home, I ran into my brother who's driving my, uh, my mom's car. He was, I think he's probably mm-hmm. about 16 and, uh, my dad was in prison at this time. But anyways, my brother picks us up and we're hanging out with him. We go to the house. My mom's like, Hey, can y'all take out the trash? And, uh, so we took out the trash 
and I told my brother, hey, give us a ride. I'll ride on the trunk of the car, and we'll take out the trash, you know. And he was just going to drive around the block, go through the alley. I'm going to throw it in the dumpster. He's going to go back around the other side of the alley and come back around to my mom's house, you know. Just just kind of something fun to do, you know. We're trailer yeah. park boys. And so me and Michael, we jump on the, the trunk of the car. We go over there. I, I throw it into the dumpster. And this is where Michael, he tells me, man, I got a bad feeling. I'm going to get in the car. I, I kid you not, another bad feeling. Yeah. I swear to God. And I was like, man, I'm all right. I'm no pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I I stay on the trunk of the car. My brother comes out of the alley, turns on the blacktop. And as he does that, he gooses it. He kind of gives a little gas, spin the tires. Not not like real crazy or anything. We got up to like 10 mm-hmm. miles an hour. And as he came out of the turn, I slid across the, the, the trunk because I had nothing to hold on to. I landed on my feet. But, you know, at this point, I'm running backwards because the car is moving forward. And I was facing the opposite direction of the car. And so I landed on my back foot mm-hmm. on my right leg and I fell back and I busted my head <sighs> on the road. And I mean, bro, I, I remember it just like a movie. I remember my foot hitting and I remember like my, the back of my shoulders hitting. And I remember the sound of my head hitting the concrete or the, the asphalt. It sounded like a bowling ball getting hit with a hammer like that. You know, Sounds that pop. painful, bro. I was out. Uh, they said my, my brother and Michael instantly stopped. And they said I was making a weird noise, but I was awake. I was sitting, like, already up sitting Indian style, holding my head, just kind of, like, uh, just rocking back and forth, making weird. a weird noise. Yeah, and uh, so I was out. I, I have no rec- recollection of any of that. I came to for a couple seconds in the car, hauling ass to the hospital. I had a big butt. I mean, I busted my head. Had a big hole in the side of my head. And my mom was in the car, and I can't remember if it's my brother or Michael. Somebody was holding my head, you know what I mean? Like, I'm laying in the back seat across somebody's lap. And then, boom, I, I lose consciousness again. And then I come to at the hospital, and I'm in the waiting room. I think I, it's it's real fuzzy, but I'm, I'm somewhere, and I see somebody looking at me. And I was just like, what the fuck are you looking yeah. at? You know what I mean? Because I was concussed. I had a bad mm-hmm. concussion. And so, like, I, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand I was injured, you know. But I, I came to him. There's just somebody looking at me. And I, I, my mom said, I cussed at him. Like, what the fuck are you looking at, you know? And then, boom, I'm out again. And I come to, and my buddy Robert's mom, she worked at the emergency room. She's there, and, like, they're shaving the side of my head so they can put, like, stitches and that glue stuff in the gash on the side of my head, you know. And I had a bad concussion, so I had to stay there all night. And then, so towards the end of it, I'm starting to like come to, I'm starting to feel normal again. And so I'm awake and it's early in the morning at this point. And so I'm sitting there, me and my buddy, Michael, we're sitting there bullshit. And he's like, damn dude, you should have listened to me, you know? Cause he was always like, he was a street dude. You know what I mean? Even at that time he had that kind of like, you know what I mean? That street dude, he's six months younger than me, but he always, I felt like he was always a little bit further in life than I was, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I don't know, man. He was like, should have listened to me, man. I had that yeah. feeling. And one of the funnier, it's kind of probably embarrassing for my mom. I love her to death. <laughs> one of the funnier things was like, right as I'm coming to, my mom's sitting there asleep. You know, she's laid out over table, got her arms crossed her head down because we were at yeah. the hospital all night, you know. And she <laughs> she farts a little bit in her sleep, bro. Really? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm awake, and I just look at Michael, and his eyebrows go up, and he's trying his hardest not to laugh because he loved my mom too, you know. 
And so he's he nobody wants to embarrass my mom. And I'm just like, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> and so Michael had to get up and walk out. Now as soon as he walks out the door, bro, you hear him just let out a, a gut laugh, like just like <laughs> just good times. Well, and I'm then, surprised that he didn't have so, you page like, the nurse or something. <laughs> For sure, bro. Like, and that that was one of the closer times I, you know, had come yeah. to death. And I I didn't have no no lights or I didn't see no light at the end of the tunnel. But the next day was July 4th, and I was concussed. I tell you what, that was one of the worst July 4ths I've ever had. Fireworks going off. I got a pounding mm-hmm. headache. I'm, I was seeing flashing lights that night. That night, I stayed the night on the 4th. I stayed at my grandma's house, and we all slept in the yard on, in the, on the trampoline. And I, I was seeing flashing lights in the night. I, I, I was thinking like that movie with John Travolta, mm-hmm. Phenomenon, you know. <laughs> I was like, boy, hopefully I get smart out of this. Dude, it's so <laughs> funny that you mentioned Phenomenon because they actually talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. That's probably why yeah. it's in my mind. And not a lot of people have seen that movie, but it's really a good movie. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not movie. like a science movie. It's just a fiction movie, but it, it was really fun. I mean, I, I used to kind of wish that um, I could actually uh, – you know, consume books at the rate that, that he was able to after his his vision that he had. Yeah. But, you learned Portuguese on yeah, the ride over? Exactly. Well, and that's the thing is like, uh, you know, it, it it's people want all the knowledge. Like, you know, I, I watch Criminal Minds and, you know, Spencer Reed, you know, he's supposed to be this, this you know, boy genius, like a, a phenomenon or whatever. And, and you look at their abilities and you're like, man, I wish I could have that. But, but really in rea- in reality, it's just not like that. You know, it, it's not that way. Yeah. Um, it's not, I mean, if you want something nine times out of 10, you got to work for it. Now there are certain people that are born with intellectual gifts that they just have that ability to retain right. everything, you know, uh, they, I mean, they're few far and in between, but getting back to the podcast, a real talk, like overall, what was your opinion like of the podcast itself? How it was produced? Well, um, I felt like they were definitely uh, pretty comfortable with each other, which was really good. And um, you know, they have, uh, you know, they have music set up, and and they have a pretty good flow with each other. Um, there were a couple of awkward moments where uh, I guess one of them was getting out of line, and so another one was like, "Hey, hey," you know, like <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa." Yeah, when the dude was talking about, I wouldn't let you. The, I think the dude's an ex-doctor. I, I didn't keep yeah. the dude's name. But I, I think one of them's a doctor, and one of them started kind of bagging on his ability to be a doctor, and he kind of yeah. like, hey, man. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? But for me, the podcast itself, I went into it thinking it was going to be something different yeah. than what it was. Like Because it, it the, their podcast is a lot like ours, where we just kind of mull over things, throw our opinions, yep. and get on tangents, and try to come back. I was thinking it was going to be something like with interviews right. and like they have like, you know, people on there giving their take, almost like a Rogan type right. of thing, you know, where you, you're getting somebody else's perspective. Right. So at first I was kind of like, man. Well, and um, and what and, they said that they were doing in, in that particular episode was uh, they're asking what happens in that little space right before you die between life and death. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, but. Overall, man, it, you know, I, I've listened to that podcast a couple times now, and I, I 
actually enjoy it. It's it's not a bad thing. It's uh, I'll probably keep on listening to them here and there whenever I find you know dull moments and I want to listen to something because it really I, I enjoyed it. I like the dynamic between the guys, like you said. They were all very comfortable with right. each other and. Now they talked a, they talked a little Definitely. bit about the brain, which actually you you had mentioned when you hit your head on the ground. Um, you know they talked about dimethyltryptyline, and they talked about a lack of oxygen, and how these could be um, how these could be something that that influences the experiences that people have, and that you know the types of experiences that they listed out in the episode were you know a sensation of floating up or some sort of out of body experience, uh, rapid movement through a long, dark tunnel with a bright white light at the end. Um, you know, a third person observing scenes of, of your life. So like when people say, you know, my life flashed before my eyes, you know, it's almost like they're saying that they're having that, that near death experience. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think a lot of people just say yep. that, you know, like, oh, my life flashed before because I think when you have that moment of almost dying, like when that IED yeah. went off near you, you know, I mean, I feel like you realize you take a lot for granted. And so you just instantly start thinking like, oh, wow, if I'd have died, right. I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get to see this again. Or if you got kids at the time, I wouldn't see my kids. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to experience filet yeah. mignon or, you know, I mean, you, you, <laughs> you just kind of realize like, oh, how much you really right. take for granted. Now, um, the ones that we just listed, you know, those are, um, those are, those ones are pretty common, but there's also some other ones here that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, so they, they go on to talk about, um, time in an otherworldly or a beautiful realm. Um, also meeting spirits or angels. Uh, here's one being in the presence of God or a God, uh, connection to all of creation. Uh, let's see, universal love. Um, now the, the thing that I find interesting about those, uh, the ones that we just mentioned of the otherworldly beautiful realm, the meeting the spirits or, or being in the presence of God is that there's actually people out there who've written books. Um, one, one is called a 90 minutes in heaven where basically, you know, this author is, is recounting his experience, uh, of, of heaven, uh, that he had. While I guess, uh, well, I don't know if he was like on an operating ta operating table or, or what, but but supposedly he he went and experienced heaven uh, while you know uh, while dead or something. Yeah, that's wild. Man. I bet that's hard to come yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they they joked about that on the show too. They're like, man, doctors are such jerks. You know, bringing you back when you just got reunited with all your family and all that. Now, uh, let me ask you this. In your younger days, did you ever, like, experiment with any type of, like, hallucinogenic drugs? Uh, honestly, I've never done drugs. I know. Well, for sure. Back in my young, young days, back, you know, 18, yeah. 19 maybe, I'd, uh, I'd eaten some mushrooms okay. once. And, and it's not something I like to really talk about because I feel like people think about you weirdly after you yeah. do stuff like that, you know? But, uh, man, I had a, I, I, I was out there, you know, and that, that feeling where you feel like mm. everything loves you, you have a connection like to trees mm. and grass and just the, the clarity of things. Like I had that to where whenever, you know, the mushrooms mm -hmm. had worn off, 
like I almost felt sad. You know what I mean? Because like everything just like just it just so weird. I, I cook with mushrooms routinely, and I don't ever feel that way. Well, yeah, it's because you're not cooking with psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms, my friend. <laughs> but no, uh, so I I I taken these mushrooms, and and one of the moments of clarity I had was uh, I was walking mm-hmm. on some grass, and uh, a, a sticker got me. And normally you're just like, gosh, right. dang it, a sticker. Right. You know what I mean? That hurts. And for me, it was like the sticker's there so it don't get yeah. stepped on. Walk where there isn't stickers, you know, and nine times out of ten, if there's no stickers, it's dirt, and you're not hurting something when you're walking on it. I had that. I was like, and it was just like this big moment of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see your purpose. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And then I had a, 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 like, you know, just seeing things purpose. Like you said, you couldn't put it any better than that because, like, you see yeah. everything and you just understand. And, I, I you know, I, I come up with, you know what I mean? And, like, just stuff like that. I mm-hmm. uh, I was looking up at the at the sky and I, I clear as day, I seen an Indian chief, his head, made out of the clouds and this is real close to the sunset so you know the west texas sunset you got that purple maroon red like it's beautiful now seeing this dude's head and he had a real yeah. fierce look i had the headdress on and everything and he started screaming and then i seen universes yeah. coming out of this dude's mouth <laughs> and it was it was just mm-hmm. intense it a whole lot because it makes me feel like a like a, a druggie or something but that's not who i am but like i, I get something people should experience a little right. bit because coming out of uh something like that you i like you have to feel like there's something else there you know what i mean it connects you spiritually to your surroundings right. well, and you know when i was in high school there was a guy that would do drugs and he kind of had that reputation well i think it was our junior year of high school he ended up asphyxiating himself Ugh. by huffing spray paint and so he he died and and so i guess for me that was just kind of you know i was wanting to go army and so i didn't want to do drugs you know i wanted to have that career option and and so i think i just had enough things in place to to prompt me to just not That's do good, drugs man. and so i, I just I'm, never I'm did all right there for people being straight laced and me i was never never i I gave into peer pressure a few times and, and smoked pot with buddies when I was younger. And like, that was just never my thing, man. You know what I mean? Like I, I was never one of them guys. And then like, I, like I said, I tried the mushrooms, but outside of that, I had never did nothing. And yeah. I say that, but drink, I consider drinking a drug now as an adult, you realize like, you know, that is a drug you're changing. Mm-hmm. You're altering your state for sure. Right. Well, there's a few other things I wanted to talk about as far as the um, the these claims of, you know, dying and going to heaven or uh, there's another book out there called um, Heaven is for Real. And it's about this kid whose appendix had burst. And um, and while he was under the operating table, uh, his dad, who's a pastor, was basically like really mad at God because his wife had already had a miscarriage once before, uh, a little girl. And, and so this, this pastor's, you know, he's just really mad at God. And he found a private room where he could just go and yell at God and, and, you know, just be like, is this how you treat your pastors? You know? And, um, anyway, so apparently, uh, 
you know, the kid's story when he comes back is that um, while he was under, uh, you know, the operating knife or whatever, he had gone to heaven and, and uh, Jesus was there and his sister that had been miscarried was also there. Um, he got to meet his great grandpa while he was there. Um, and then the whole story was that Jesus said, well, I'm sending you back to answer your dad's prayer. Um, of course, I don't buy into any of this. Um, there, and I'll tell you why in a second. But there's another book where a guy basically said that he literally went and visited hell um, one night. And he said it wasn't a dream. Uh, it, it wasn't nighttime. And it was when he went to bed. But he said it wasn't a dream. And, and the name of the book is called 23 Minutes in Hell. But anyway, books like this, 90 Minutes in Heaven, uh, Heaven is for Real, and uh, 23 Minutes in Hell, you know, these, these aren't um, isolated uh, practices. This, this is something that people do. People, they claim special revelations, um, and, and it's something called continuation. Um, I'm, I'm a cessationist myself when it comes to, you know, God's word being closed. Uh, meaning the Bible is sufficient. Um, so a, a book like 90 Minutes in Heaven can't produce for me any new information that's vital to my faith right. regarding heaven because, because it doesn't supplement, you know, the Bible. It's not the Bible plus 90 Minutes in Definitely. Heaven. Definitely, I get what you're saying. You know, it's right, and and – you know, I, I'm not going to read 23 minutes in hell and be like, oh, thank goodness he wrote this book because now I know I don't want to yep. go to hell. Well, I mean, didn't didn't you read the Bible? I mean, the Bible. Well, yeah, I agree. You but, you know, uh, if you believe in heaven, you got to believe in hell. Now, now, for me, I feel yep. like the Bible is, you know, just a, 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 a bunch of stories by people that had them the moments. Right. And so what's to say right. when they stop producing the Bible that more people don't have those moments? Right. And I mean, there is a, there is a segment of theologians out there called right. uh, continuationists. Um, and basically they say that God is still talking, which basically means that the, the canon is not closed, the canon of Scripture. So that means that the Bible isn't complete. It's not finished. So Revelation is oh, not the last saying. book. But then again, um, because, I got you. Yeah, it's all yeah, kind because, of intertwined and locked. Exactly. But now I'm a cessationist, which means that basically prophecy is sealed up. So so that means that right now we're in a period of time where God is being silent, where God is not. So um, and, and, you know, there's still common graces like like healing that, that happens. I mean, you, you've heard of people you know, miraculously overcoming cancer or something. I would say that's a, a common grace that, that God extends. But um, as far as some of these faith healers over in Dallas and Fort Worth, that they, they go and trick people because they're, you know, they, they pull, they perform parlor tricks to try to make it look like they're lengthening your leg. Well, or yeah, something. They're, they're messing around with people's sensibilities. And, and that's where I get yeah. real weary of people is whenever they're trying to get money out of it or they're trying to get financial gain or, or something. And like you say, that, that 23 minutes and what is it? 90 minutes in heaven. Yeah. Like, that minutes sounds heaven. real Hollywood. And the fact that he's trying to get a best selling novel out of it, you know what I mean? Yep. 
Exactly. But like if that, that, so, uh, have you ever read or watched the read the book The Shack or watched the movie The Shack? Um, I've read it, and it was uh, it was something that my grandma really wanted me to read, and I I was really reluctant to because I had heard really bad things, and it definitely for me lived up to its reputation. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I listened to it, and I liked that that book solely on the the interview with the author. And uh, mm-hmm. the author clearly states, like, this this is a fake book. You know what I mean? Like, I this didn't yeah. happen to me. I don't know anybody. I just made a good story. And that's why right. I like that book, because he's like, I'm not I'm not a, you know, a super religious person. I've had my times, my my ups and downs with God. He, you know, he says that. But like he was just like, this is a story. And that's one thing I liked about it. That that made the book better to me. The fact that he wasn't trying to ride this wave of religion. Like, man, I, I put it yeah. out there. This is how I, you know. This is just, it's, you know, it's fake. Right. Well, and, um, you know, it's funny because his whole book was basically a um, satirical repackaging of, of Christian doctrines. I mean, like, he had the, the Trinitarian God in his book, The Shack, which is a um, Christian theological concept. Uh, a trinitarian god of the father the son and the holy spirit and what he did was he changed the father's name to papa and then the holy spirit i think was like an asian woman and then the uh jesus was actually uh, a man yeah but uh papa Uh, was actually a woman too exactly so basically according to christian doctrine you know god is father son and holy spirit so what he did was he reversed the role and he said, okay, well, I don't want it to be like a religious thing. So I'm going to make God the father. Actually, I'm going to maintain the name Papa. So it's inadvertently, you know, still, uh, you know, it has that parallel of father, but I'm going to change his gender to woman. And I'm also going to make him black or make her black because um, most people picture uh, a white bearded guy or something. Well, yeah, and they, they tag he tags base on that too a little bit in the book about how you know God's kind of what you picture him to be. You know what I mean? Because if not, you're mm-hmm. you know it's mind boggling. You can't you can't comprehend what you're seeing. You know, right? But yeah, I was just trying to see uh, see if you'd ever read that. But yeah, yeah. So what what uh, what do you got planned for this next week? What podcast are we listening to? Well, um, <clears throat> I was thinking we could go with the Dan Aykroyd, uh, actually, to touch base with our Joe Rogan route, <laughs> um, since we uh, we kind of wanted to talk about him a lot. But um, hey, do you happen to you have know, the, the episode number for the people that may be listening and may want to listen to that to understand what we're talking about next week? Absolutely. Let me get it up here real quick. Um, actually, there's a few other things real quick that I can cover. Um on the uh you know on the uh podcast that we did listen to um i wanted to say that there was a a, um something interesting happened Uh, do you know who ricky jarvis is yes sir yeah uh he's an actor any like a british dude yeah Uh, he was on uh, the bbc version of the office Um, of course he's a hilarious actor he got into some some trouble recently with the um, oh what was the the 
not the screen actors thing, but the where they give out the little trophies. The was it the grand? Yeah, he he said Oscar. Yeah, the Oscars. I think he uh, he basically um, got into some trouble for calling out a bunch of leftist agendas and actors, and it, it was pretty funny. But um, anyway, he's in a movie called The Invention of Lying. Great movie. It was Jennifer Gardner. It yeah. was hilarious, bro. I was laughing so hard. Um, so apparent the premise in this movie is that he cannot or he, he nobody can tell a lie, but he has just figured it out, you know, maybe like genetically or something. He's able to tell a lie and nobody else can. And so because all these people um, are so used to not being able to lie and and people can't lie to them and you know literally and um and so what happens is uh it, the the first thing that really cracked me up was he walked up to this woman and he's like he's like the world is going to come to an end unless you sleep with me and she's like do we have time to make it to a hotel or or do we need to do it here <laughs> He said a hotel will work. Yeah, he's like, the hotel will be fine, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, they, they didn't actually end up doing anything, which is good. It, it, it says something to, you know, his his moral code, his moral fiber that he tries to bring into all of his um, movies. But the, the thing that, that really uh, stuck out there for me was that his mom was dying in the, in the movie. And she said that she's scared and that, uh, you know, she's basically going to drift off into nothingness and that was that was right. her perception of death and and on her deathbed he he basically lies to her as is essentially what he um is saying he's gonna uh, or the movie is saying he's he's now got this ability to lie so what he tells his mom for the sake of making her feel better he says uh it's not an eternity of nothingness you go to your favorite place in the whole world and everyone you've ever loved and who's ever loved you will be there and you'll be young again. You'll run and jump like you used to and you'll dance. There's no pain, just love and happiness. Everyone gets a mansion and it lasts for all eternity. And the, the cool thing about that is that he's trying to make his mom feel better, you know, about dying, saying that it's not an eternity of nothingness. Right. And um, and I, I felt like that um, kind of played into our uh, I felt like that kind of played into our topic a little bit, because, <clears throat> you know, here, if there's these people trying to, you know, make things up to, to make people feel better about death, you know, that could explain why you get some, you know, why, why you get some of the experiences given to us that that, that are. Yeah, possibly, man. But um, anyway, uh, about that 23 minutes in hell book, um, you know, Jesus told a parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And essentially what happened was um, the rich man received comforts in life and Lazarus was a homeless beggar and they both died. And the rich man goes to hell and Lazarus goes to heaven. and I think it says that he went to Abraham's side, I think. And so what happens is the rich man cries out to Abraham through this abyss or across this, this big void. And he says, 
Father Abraham, send uh, Lazarus to bring a tip of water or, or a drip of a drop of water to put on the tip of my tongue. And uh, and Abraham says um, something to the effect of, well, there's this huge abyss between us and you and, and no one can cross. Uh, but even so, uh, don't you remember that in life that you received your comforts while uh, while Lazarus uh, received none? Uh, something to that effect. And and then so the rich man says, well, tell Lazarus to go back and tell my brothers how bad this place is so that they don't end up here with me and that, and that right. they'll change their ways. And, and Abraham said something to the effect of, um, if they have Moses and the prophets, they'll believe them. And, and so Abraham says, um, or, or Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets, uh, they'll believe them. And, um, the, the rich man says, well, Abraham, no, they, they won't believe that, but surely if somebody were to rise from the dead, they will listen. And Abraham said, if they don't listen to Abraham, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not even listen, even if someone rises from the dead, which is funny because Jesus rose from the dead, right? Yeah. So that's the whole point of, of that parable is that, <clears throat> you know, um, the, the rising of the dead that we have listed in, in the Bible is sufficient for our faith. And, and if we don't believe Moses and the prophets, if we don't believe everything that they wrote about of a coming resurrection, a coming Messiah and all the events that happened and all this fulfilled, you know, prophecy, then, then, you know, what's this 23 minutes in heaven book going to do for us? What's, what's it going to do for you? I hear you. I hear you, man. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, some, some really good stuff to think about in regards to this, this podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that was all a bunch of good stuff there, uh, especially if people are questioning faith. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Well, and if they are questioning faith, saying, you know, why is it, you know, necessary or, or why is it, you know, uh, acceptable, then then really, you know, are they going to enter into the invention of lying and explain to Ricky Gervais that him constructing some sort of comforting story for his dying mom is wrong you know i don't know i mean they just need to think that you know if uh if truth really is relative as they presuppose then then there's really nothing wrong with making up fanciful stories to make people feel better i i agree 100 percent, man definitely <laughs> and uh so i did actually look up that dan Aykroyd um podcast yeah. So it's uh, episode number thirteen fifty one on Joe Rogan. Heck yeah, thirteen fifty one. Yep. If you go to your Joe Rogan podcast into the search bar and type in Dan Aykroyd, it should come up as number thirteen fifty one. Now, and that that one's pretty lengthy. It's about three hours, huh? Um, it is. Um, of course we can just kind of, <clears throat> uh, it's two hours and 32 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Two and a half hours. And actually, uh, Dan Aykroyd has his own vodka line. And, um, so we might actually have to record this next Thursday night. That way we can, um, drink some vodka while we're doing the podcast. 
I'm I'm game with that. But uh, I mean, Friday morning. I've been Friday morning. Are you there? Yeah. Friday morning, I'm taking off and going to the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I, I'm game. Uh, I don't know when and where. I, are you? Would you be able to come over here and do it? That sounds good to me. Okay. Because uh, I know we're recording right now Friday morning, and and this bourbon just isn't as good on Friday mornings as it is on Thursday nights. You know. You're a savage. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm not drinking bourbon. I'm drinking tea, caffeine free tea. I'm- I'm drinking Folgers original. Nice. Did you ever get a thermos or you just had a cup? No, dude, I don't need a thermos. I'm not one of these city slickers. Oh, gotcha. Like I, like I got more than seven days worth of clothes or something. I got a thermos. Come on, dude. I'm a trailer park goose. That's funny. You know what I mean? I often tell people I'm in recovery from my childhood as a trailer park. Mm-hmm. I live my life just not to wind wind back up in the trailer park. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you there. Uh, but I, I often have to remind myself that I could go back there anytime. Well, if this COVID stuff keeps going on much longer, we'll all end up back in trailer parks. Heck no, dude. I got a very manageable mortgage on a brick house that, so I, I'm, I'm taking care of, dude. Uh, I think mine's like stucco or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, my house was built in 56, bro. That's funny. I like them stout. I like them old and stout. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like the cigar I'm smoking. There you go. Savagery. <laughs> you sure you weren't in a trailer park boy drinking and smoking in the mornings like this? <laughs> oh, goodness. It, you know, it goes great with yoga in the morning. Uh, bourbon, cigars, and yoga. All right, man. Well, it's been a great podcast. I'm going to have to get off here and take care of some business uh I, I had fun man and for everybody listening check out jre episode 1351 with dan Aykroyd. we're going to be reviewing that podcast next week next thursday evening sounds awesome man all righty bro well have fun and uh get on that jump rope and i'm gonna finish up my day and then get on to my my mile getting i gotta get some more miles this evening to make my number Yes, sir. Yeah, fun. All right, brother. Take it easy. Later.